0: I think it was a creative drug, which is, you know, books and knowledge courses and seminars and events. And, and before I knew it, I woke up eight and a half years later and $200,000 later and kind of shook my head like, what the hell am I doing here?
1: Have you ever let stress get the better of you? Want to know how to maximize your productivity? My name is Tommy Bowie. Follow me as I deep dive into the minds of successful entrepreneurs and industry professionals on the tools, tips, and strategies they use to overcome stress and boost productivity in their daily lives, especially when the going gets tough and the stakes are high. This is the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is the founder of Makeover Master, host of the Made Over Podcast, author of Made Over how to create a powerful brand that will transform your business and save your life, and a seasoned entrepreneur. He's the creator of the starter pack makeover business system as part of what he considers his life's work and duty to help others avoid the hellish eight and a half years of debt and growing pains and over $200,000 he spent buying every book and course he could afford, traveling to every seminar and event imaginable, trying to get his business to work. I have with me today, Mike Young. Mike, thank you for joining me today on the Stressless Entrepreneur podcast.
0: Tommy, it's uh, my pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Mike, I wanted to get you on the show today because you have an incredible and inspiring platform that helps struggling entrepreneurs and businesses become a better versions of themselves mm-hmm. through a business growth system and mentorship program that you've developed over the years. But before we get to that, are you able to give us a little bit of history about yourself?
0: yeah you know I um I'll go all the way back. I mean I spent the first twenty three years of my life thinking I was gonna be a, a pro baseball player. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't think about much else other than how do I play baseball you know um, yeah. college was just kind of a means to an end for me. It was uh I think I was kind of hardwired to be an entrepreneur from the start because I really didn't have a backup plan. I was very easily able to focus on one thing without thinking about. Maybe I should get a job. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Mm -hmm. Until I got to my senior year in college and I realized like that was just a dream that was not going to happen for me. My skills and my talents didn't align with professional baseball. Mm -hmm. And I fell into the mortgage industry because I had a friend in the industry at the time who said, I think you'd be good at this. I think you'd enjoy it. You're good with math. You're good with people. And that led me to a place where I created my own company. We grew it from six people to 250 employees and 10 offices in less than five years. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of got to experience what that feels like to have like quick growth in a business and have to deal with the complexity and the stress that comes along with that. Yep. And then the crash of 2008 not only took my mortgage company with it, but it took my net worth, my assets, my self-esteem, my confidence with it as well. And then I had, to, I had to go through a period of rebuilding that all from scratch as an entrepreneur with a, a much smaller team this time. So I, I kind of envision it now as I've experienced like four tremendous waves in my life. You know, I've had these, these feelings of knowing what it feels like to make, you know, $100,000 in a month. I know what it feels like to drive to the welfare office with my wife and my newborn kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know what it feels like to have things going really well and feel like it's never going to stop. But at the same time, I know what it feels like when things are going really tremendously bad and to feel like it's never going to stop. And so I find myself in a place today where I feel lucky. I feel lucky that I know I'm able to relate and have empathy for people that are in each stage of the business model.
1: Yeah, I want to go back and talk more about the position you were in when you had 250 employees and six partners. What was going through your head at that time when, I guess, that crash happened? Because mortgage broking was one of the industries that were impacted the most from the GFC. How did you handle that period? And, you know, when you're talking about rebuilding, what did that feel like?
0: Yeah, I, did. I don't know if I handled it in the most appropriate way back then. I, I've done a lot of inner work with myself over the last 15 years, but I remember what it felt like to grow the company, how exciting it was and to have things going well. But when I could almost see the writing on the wall about a couple years before it went under, we started to struggle. We started to have yep. harder times. So I, I felt like during that phase, I was scrambling. Like I felt like I needed to find the next, if if I figure this out, then I'll get here. If I figure that out, then I'll get here. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was uh, created this mad scramble to try and fix the problem. You know, it felt like a a leaky ship is what it felt like. And I was trying to fill all the holes. Mm -hmm. And when it went down, I think I was filled with shame. I felt like it was all my fault. I felt regret like I'd made too many mistakes, that like somehow this business going under was, was 100% my fault. I took ownership and blamed myself, but almost to an unhealthy level where it was actually that wasn't true. It wasn't all my fault. There were outside factors with the marketplace that definitely contributed to it. And I, I felt like escaping. Um, that's how I felt. So I did it through drinking. I did it through a little bit of drugs, you know, soft Mm -hmm, drugs, mm -hmm. (laughs) if there is a soft drug.
1: Um,
0: I even upped my family and moved to a different city because I just wanted to escape that feeling of feeling like a loser, like feeling shameful and regretful and all those things I felt. So that's how I dealt with it at the time, but it quickly transitioned into a much more what I would call a, um, a more productive addiction. And how I began to mask my own insecurities and feelings was by taking courses and reading books and studying all the different ways an online business can work. But that was, again, it was a form of escapism, I believe. And it was me trying to not only figure out the business game, but if I always was learning something and growing in that way, I never really had to fully implement my business. You know, I really never had to put myself back out there. So I think it was a creative drug, which is, you know, books and knowledge courses and seminars and events. And and before I knew it, I woke up eight and a half years later and $200,000 later and kind of shook my head like, what the hell am I doing here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to talk more about the GFC and comparing it to the uncertainty of the current times that we have of COVID-19. But mm-hmm. before we, we go through that, you know, you mentioned the obsessive learning and using it as a drug or procrastination. Um, to actually not do something or commit to something, how was that rebuilding phase like that self discovery? You know, you spent two hundred thousand dollars, eight years. How did that lead into, or was there a moment when you thought, you know, this is going to be the one, this business is going to be the one, and you know, obviously there was a business that took you to some level of success. How did you get to that point?
0: I think it's a frustrating phase of the business because as you go through that what I call self discovery phase, it is very much like going to a buffet, you know, where there's, there's all this food laid out. And before you uh, imagine if you've never tried a strawberry or you've never tried ribs or whatever, you kind of have to try each one to say, I like that, or I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it felt. I created 50 different business ideas between 2008 and 2012. Mm -hmm. So I, I got good at, let's create a little logo. Let's create social media. Let's create a website and let's launch this thing and try and sell it. 47 of them didn't do very well. They flopped (laughs) uh, to, to put it lightly. Three of them did actually pretty well during that time. And, and I'm always asked like, what was the one magic moment or what was the turning point? And I would just say that there's a million, there's a million turning points a million times where I thought it was the one. And so I, what I was doing was I took two of the businesses that were doing pretty well. I almost invested a hundred percent of the money I got from those businesses back into my own personal growth. Mm-hmm. I was traveling to Infusionsoft conferences and lead pages and Amy Porterfield and Marie Forleo. And I, I was just going to all these conferences trying to figure out what's the next evolution for me. Like I, I felt like something was missing. Like yep. the couple of businesses are doing great and I feel good, but I don't feel perfect. Like I feel like there's something more for me to do. And I think it was, to be honest, I was behind the scenes, kind of number two guy with a business partner. He was out front selling. I was creating all the stuff behind the scenes. Yep. And I felt like that was the missing component that I had a bigger role to play in the world. I had bigger impact if I put myself back out there again.
1: Yeah. It's it's nice to hear that point of view as well, because I myself, I've seen some success with e-commerce mm. where, you know, I'm selling some products on Amazon, but that business although it's making me some decent cash flow, isn't providing me that fulfillment that I'm getting. So I feel like there is something missing. Hence the venture into this podcasting space and the more external environment. Do you have any tips for people who may be seeing some success and are trying to ride that wave, but aren't kind of focusing on their own personal development or having contingencies in place in the event that something might happen in the future?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think it ultimately, it comes down to clarity. The reason that I felt unfulfilled was I hadn't defined what success meant for me. Because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, if you look at success, everybody's definition is different. If you look at what makes a website pretty or ugly, you know, somebody's love of hot pink and glitter is going to be somebody else's worst nightmare for their two colors, you know? Mm -hmm. And success is the same way. And so, I would say get very clear on what your definition of success is and for me it was essentially the freedom to do what i wanted to do when i wanted to do it where i wanted to do it you know it was like i wanted to work on things that gave me energy and passion from anywhere in the world at any time and i didn't want to have like a quote-unquote boss telling me when to show up when to when to leave you know what had to get done that process was a long tail for me. I mean, it took me almost, it took me over a decade before I finally kind of figured it out on how do I arrive in this place where I truly get to do something I love every day and on my timing and set my own rules. It's a very difficult, you know, task to set out in the beginning to say like, I'm going to create this magical, mythical thing where I get to, I get to make money doing something I love on my own timing. And it's, it's not as easy as, as people make it seem
1: right right and more often than not we focus or our definition of success is making as much money as possible first and then doing what we love and we'll forget about actually the journey of actually enjoying that process
0: totally and i think that's the difference between me today and me even five years ago was i'm finally just enjoying the process of everything i i even enjoy in some weird sick way i enjoy the moments that i get stuck Mm-hmm. Because I know when I have that feeling of frustration, that pressure on your chest, I'm about to have a big breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've just learned that that's part of the process. Yep. And I think that's, that's really helped me because 15 years ago, I had all the things you, quote unquote, were supposed to have. I went to high school, went to college, built a business, had a car, had a wife, had kids. Yep. I had all the stuff that was supposed to make you happy, money, house, cars, all that stuff. Yet I found myself miserable. And so I think in some weird, awkward way, that was a blessing in disguise to wake up at 30 years old and realize I have all these things that are supposed to make me happy. Yet Why do I feel so crappy?
1: Yeah. And I think you've been fortunate enough, I guess, to go through that journey, even though there were some challenges and there were some rough times because Mm -hmm. it kind of shaped you to be the person you are today in terms of personal development, internal thought, and even caring for your loved ones as well.
0: Yeah, it's like it never I never would have arrived where I'm at today with my belief systems, with my values, with everything that I've got, all my skills, my character. It all came through the moments of adversity or obstacles. Mm-hmm. And it's just like going to the gym, you know, if you want to get strong on your biceps, you're gonna go through those periods where you're really freaking sore and it doesn't feel very good.
1: Yep. So you ventured into forty different types of businesses that somewhat failed. How did your family react to that? And what was the support structure like in your family at that time? Obviously, for the 47th, I guess, venture.
0: Yeah, I would say I'm very lucky that my wife, she always believed in me and she always supported me. And I think it's important that people recognize just on a human being level, we crave comfort and safety really from the like the primary fear is that we're going to die so we crave these patterns and routines and safety where we know what the outcomes are going to be. So I was lucky that my closest inner circle of family and friends encouraged me, supported me, but then you quickly watch that second layer and it's not very deep and it includes even sometimes your closest friends and your parents and those types of people. Mm-hmm. They want you to succeed, but they also want you to be safe. Yep. So so like, I would just say sometimes those people that are close to you give you terrible advice when it comes to business and entrepreneurship. So I heard the comments like from my parents, like maybe it's time you get a job. Maybe you should just get a job and get a 401k and a bank loan and a safe, cushy retirement. That would have killed my spirit. Like it would have crushed my soul. So I'm glad I made it through. But I'd, I'd say you need someone on your side close to you, whether that's a mentor, a friend, a spouse, a relationship, because there are definitely days that it gets pretty dark. Mm -hmm. It's not so frustrating to get stuck on certain things. It's very frustrating when you feel like you're not even on the right road, like if you're not even on the playing field. And that's how I felt. I felt like I was trying to go to the Wizard of Oz. I wasn't even close to the yellow brick road. And those are the really dark times.
1: Yeah, I asked that question because you mentioned before that every single venture that you went into, you would have thought that it was going to be the one it was going to be the one that's going to get me back to the top and allow me to provide for my family so you know internally it would have been causing you some pain as well seeing you know some of the the journeys not turn out the way it is and requiring that deeper support from family and friends
0: yeah i would say a couple of things there like i did used to do that all the time where this is the one and whatever and i would tell people that that was the one And that had a very negative connotation to it because as soon as you announce it, like I'm going to start a podcast, everybody, it actually gives you the dopamine hit that your brain requires. So you almost feel like you've already done it when you haven't done anything yet. So I learned over time to stop telling people, or I would tell a very limited, like I might tell my wife I'm planning on doing something, but I don't tell people what's going to happen these days because I don't want to rob myself from the experience of going through and actually getting it. And what I found is every time I said, I'm going to do this thing, kind of made me look like a jackass to my family and friends, like, oh, Mike failed again. So I didn't like that feeling, but it also robbed me from the experience of actually having to do it because in my mind, your mind can't disassociate between the two. You say you're going to start a podcast, you announce it. Sometimes it gives you enough of a dopamine hit that you don't actually follow through.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like the people who kind of do the talking and not doing the walking because, you know, you you get those people who just love talking about new ideas and, you know, new different ventures, but don't actually take action because they're already moving on to the next idea. You mentioned having mentors and coaches along the way to kind of help you get through some of those times. Were there certain people that helped you get to where you are today in terms of mentorship and coaching?
0: Nope, I figured it all out on my own. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, um, that was, if there was a turning point for me, I think somewhere in my upbringing or whatever, it's like I'm not supposed to ask for help. I'm not supposed to show emotion. You're not supposed to cry, those types of things. It was as simple as getting clear on what I wanted to have happen, finding somebody that's already done that in their life in a couple of key areas, and then raising my hand and asking for help. Yep. I realized at some point when I was extremely frustrated and stuck and depressed after eight and a half years that this game was, a lot of it was going on inside my mind. Like a lot of the the shame and the feelings and the ups and the downs was was inside my head. So I knew I needed somebody to help me kind of forgive myself from the past and, and kind of squash the mindset stuff. I also knew I needed direct help in marketing, advertising, and copywriting, really. So I found, I actually just raised my hand one day and just said, I could use some help. I'm frustrated. I could use some help. And I had a mentor of mine, Mitch Miller. He reached out to me and and said, hey, if you come over to my house and I'll help you. I didn't know his house was 9,000 miles away in Thailand. Yep. (laughs) But I went over there and that guy helped change my life. He helped fill in the gaps. He helped get me to the yellow brick road. And then I, at that same week that I was over there, I met Clay Moffitt. I mean, he's a, a mindset NLP hypnotherapist slash coach. I don't even want to call him a therapist or put yep. labels on him because he's yep. so good at what he does. But those two guys together helped put me on the right road and mentor me through the process of not only what was going on inside my mind, but how to play the game from a copywriting, marketing, advertising point of view.
1: And now with your business, the Makeover Master, how many people do you have supporting you in that in that business venture in terms of staff?
0: Yeah, it's it's still pretty small. I that was the original vision. The original vision was make it a decent amount of money because I knew making a million dollars a month wasn't necessarily my goal. Cause that didn't make me happy before when I was making lots of money and it was only money. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of graphic designers that both live in Serbia. I have an executive assistant in the Philippines. I have a development team in India and that's it. That's our entire team. And I'm purposely small because I want, I really want to care about each specific client and give them something I didn't have when, when I started all the courses and books they created something I call the knowledge over accumulation confusion loop. And what it was was too much generic information and no direct help. And so when we take on somebody in our starter pack business system, it comes with direct strategy help with me and ongoing support and advice and guidance because that was the missing piece was the generic stuff gave me competing ideas. And so I ended up having funnels competing against each other that I didn't even know it. Yep. But the direct strategy and advice is important to me. So we still have a small team. We still have a lot of personal attention with our clients.
1: Yep. I mentioned the make of a master, but are you able to tell our listeners a little bit about that business and how it conceptualized?
0: Yeah. I mean everything literally is a direct reflection of my own experiences. All my philosophies, my methodologies all came from things that I had to go through the hard way you know I I really feel like it, it boils down to three things that I'm trying to help people avoid one is just endlessly consuming knowledge products and paying for it so that gets solved a lot of times with direct help just speeds up the game the second one is people that are seeking from outside themselves something that they want for themselves which is confidence and clarity and so we end up wearing funnel hacker t-shirts or 10x hats because those those brands represent something we want for ourselves Mm -hmm. and then the third one is really what i call internal fraud posting psychosis which is you go through this organic phase of the business posting all the time maybe posting selfies and stories and whatever you want but behind the scenes you know it's kind of a mess you don't have your stuff figured out yet and so it ends up creating this tremendous sense of fraud And if you do it long enough, it drives you mad. And so what we do, simply put, is I try and condense all the knowledge from 15 years into one course, but then I give direct strategy help based on where that person's at, and then we provide ongoing support. And then we have a second component to our business, which is essentially branding. Once you get the business working and you know your message and you've got yourself sorted out, then let's make the business pretty after that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like that you mentioned the concept of internal fraud and when it comes mm-hmm. to social media, we always get into this trap of, you know, we got to post every day on, you know, 10 different platforms. Yep. But if, if we just, you know, focused on just the one platform and made sure that we're providing quality content and content that's based on our time, not based on the platform's time, then yep. it allows us to actually provide that value and not totally. be trapped in that concept of having to constantly deliver
0: and that's, that's actually one of the hacks in the beginning is people are trying to do too many things too they're too wide in the beginning. And so they're going on every platform, their message is generic and too wide and spread out. Their offers are too wide and spread out. So in the beginning, you just narrow your focus. You go one platform, one message, one ideal client, one offer, get that working first, and then you can begin to expand back out. So I always tell my clients like uh, great idea, but not now. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, there's timing for these things. If you're trying to go too wide, too fast, you, you don't have the impact. It's like the difference between the spotlight and the laser beam, you know, spotlight might light a whole bunch of stuff up, but laser beam can cut through steel. So you bring up a really good point there. And I think it's important that people just stop trying to figure it all out on their own. You know, I, I went that road and it was extremely long and painful.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to talk about COVID-19 at the moment and uh, has it impacted your business in any way? And do you see any similarities from what's happening at the moment and what you went through with the GFC?
0: Yeah, I would say the similarities are, it creates massive uncertainty for the majority of the population. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when that happens, when you have uncertainty, it creates fear. And when you're in a place in a state of fear, you typically don't make the best decisions. And so you've got to be able to calm your emotional state. It's definitely impacted my business, but not from, like I work from home and my business was set up online for the last couple of years to where I had all the foundational stuff set. I actually didn't even think it was going to affect it at all until my design team started getting on forced quarantine four days a week in Serbia where they couldn't leave their house or they risked jail time. Yep. Yep. My Indian developer, he got stuck in not his hometown for up to four weeks. And so it's like those things started to impact me and I had to coach my own team through certain scenarios. And I think that's really what this game of stress and entrepreneurship is all about. Like you said earlier, if you can fall in love with the process, it's always just minor course corrections and deviations based on where you're still trying to go to. So like I had to recently flip my schedule a little bit. I used to do some design work at night and then in my mornings, I would keep my mornings free. Well, because of the changes to COVID, my graphic design team said, Hey, we would prefer to shift our schedule to work very early in the morning. And so that meant I had to switch my schedule around. So it's, it's little course corrections for me. But it, on one hand, it's opened up tremendous opportunity because yep, there's yep. so many businesses that are desperately want the answers that we have and we can help them with. But on the other hand, it, we've had to make adjustments. And, and I, I think that what I love about that is I know that the fact that I'll always be making adjustments, it's a never ending journey. So Yep.
1: yep. Leading on to my question, what would be some of the ways that you kind of manage stress um, in these current times?
0: I think I take a lot more, I, I go back to the basics. When I find myself extremely stressed out or my mind starts to wander towards the negative or whatever, it's always about regulating your habits and patterns. And so it, it goes back to, am I sleeping at the same time? Am I waking up at the same time? My patterns with sleep, am I getting enough sleep? What am I putting in my body? Mm-hmm. Water, diet, food, am I getting regular nourishment, exercise and movement? And then periods where you're not working, where you can just be alone with your thoughts, meditate, journal. I used to, a few years ago when I was really, I guess I felt desperate or stuck enough that I I wanted to change things quickly. Mm -hmm. I was waking up at 4.30 in the morning and then I would journal and I'd meditate and I had this routine. And now I find myself in a place where it's really about managing the flow, where If I feel like I need a rest, I just stop and take a rest. If I feel like I'm on a roll with something, I just keep rolling. And so yesterday I had a a day where I was at my my computer literally standing up for almost 10 hours straight, Mm -hmm. but I was just in flow. I was working on things and it was working. Today, not so much. I just took a little bit easy today, went for a walk. And so I think if you can always go back to the basics, regulate your state, regulate your emotions, regulate your health. you you just feel a lot better when your machine's operating properly.
1: Yeah, right. And at the Stressless Entrepreneur, we always kind of give guidance on listening to your body. And, Mm. you know, because like you said, when you have those days where you are in flow, it's okay to sleep a bit later because you're making effective use of those times when you are in flow or you're focused on actually achieving a task because then the sleep can catch up in in a sense.
0: I 100% agree. And and it's also like... um, it's these micro things that lead up to the big thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, if I asked you today, Tommy, and just said like, Hey, I want to do the podcast, but right after the podcast, will you come over to my house and mow my lawn for me? You'd be like, uh, no, I don't really want to mow your lawn, man. You know, like, like your body and your emotions and you being in tune with yourself, your body instantly knows that you don't want to do that thing. Whether, and the business is no different when you're running a business. It's like, Hey, do you want to do in this partnership? And we got this opportunity for something really cool. And it's called Amway or whatever, like your body, like sometimes it's just a sigh of relief. And if you can listen to that, you already know the answer. So if you make enough decisions that are in alignment with what you want, you'll build a positive feedback loop where you're always feeling great. If you make enough decisions that are out of alignment with what you want, and you keep saying yes to things you don't really want to say yes to, you'll end up in a place of tremendous stress.
1: Yeah, yeah. Talking about structure, patterns, and alignment. What's a current day like for yourself at the moment?
0: Yeah, I, my weeks are jam-packed. Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays. It's a little bit different because my kids are at home now because of the COVID stuff. Right. So. We used to have kind of this regular bedtime and regular wake up and that's shifted way later. My kids are staying up till almost midnight, Mm -hmm. but my normal day is I wake up, you know, somewhere between six and eight. I usually just let my body wake up. I don't have any meetings before 10 Mm AM. My meetings and podcasts are, are packed into Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and then Monday through or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday is a lot more thinking and planning time. Me working on projects for the future. So it's how I feel is that for three days, I can just take action with no worries about planning or what's going to happen next or anything. I'm just in interviews or working on projects. Yep. And then for four days, I can think about, okay, what are my next steps here? And it took me a long time to get there. It took me a long time to organize not only my patterns and routines into that structure, but then my team along with it and then my family along with it. And so it's a process to get here for sure.
1: Yeah. And you know, you've, you've got three days on and in, in a sense, three time three days off with, yeah. with more, more thinking process. Do you give yourself specific time off as well in terms of taking leave for your family and just not thinking about work at all?
0: You know, it seems like the last 10 weeks or 12 weeks, whatever it's been, is kind of just, we're all in that uncertain environment. So Typically, I try not to work past five o'clock, you know, I just try and shut it off and put it down. Yep. But like I said, if I'm on a roll, sometimes I'll work till one, two in the morning. And then with the time off with family, I've kind of found like there is a balance that we're always in tuned with and always adjusting. Like, do we need a family vacation? Or does my wife just need a day by herself? You know, or, you know what I mean? And so it's like this balancing act all the time of family time together, or maybe it's my wife and I together, or maybe it's just alone time. And, and it's like trying to manage where do my kids need either more or less family time and, yeah. and same with my wife and same with me. So we don't have this like well thought out structured that, that just doesn't work for me. It's not, not how I'm wired to like say, you know, Hey, on uh, January 23rd, 2021, I know exactly what vacation I'm going on. It doesn't work for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny that we talk about some of the challenges, you know, because we've strived to attain certain freedom to allow us to be there for the family. But then now it's like, well, we need to ensure that there's balance in terms of being there too much and and, and pulling back at certain times as well.
0: A hundred percent, hundred percent. I think, and I think really, when it does come down to that word freedom, but what's freedom mean for you, you know? And yep. and if you can get to the place where, I think so much of the game gets shortcut by just. Getting very clear on what who you are and what gives you energy and where where you're headed, the decisions almost sort themselves out if you're super clear on that foundational stuff.
1: Yep, yep. Being through what you've been through, you know, you can say that you've gone through a a deeper level of personal transformation. You know, you spent quite a bit of money in, on courses in the past. Were there some ideas, courses, or ventures where you thought? Um, That you were quite skeptical uh, at first, but then you know, having gone through them, that they actually changed the way you view yourself or or business.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think I think I've had moments, hundreds of moments of each kind of experience where maybe it didn't feel right, but I was willing to give it a try, and it turned out to be great. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had moments where. I did things that on the outside seemed crazy or out of alignment and they tur- they also turned out to be great but they were extremely painful to go through. Yep. I think the the biggest shifts I've had always came on the backbone of some type of adversity or struggle. And I've had moments where I thought things were going to be great and it turned out to be a complete bust or the wrong relationship or the wrong decision and I I mean I kind of view the whole thing a little bit like a video game now. It's it's you're you're kind of you know super mario going through the game is sometimes you're going to get stuck and sometimes you're going to get trapped and when you get trapped you just kind of kind of back up and and find the new route or sometimes you need to put a, a new quarter into the machine and get three new lives you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think the the frustrating periods for me as an entrepreneur are when i feel stagnant and stuck and i don't know the the roadmap or the answer those are the most frustrating times is if I feel like I'm making progress and I'm moving through it, or even if I get trapped, I'm I'm course correcting. I don't feel that frustrated. I feel very frustrated when I'm going somewhere and I don't even feel like I'm in the right planet.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, it all comes back down to uh, defining your success in understanding what your clarity is, because this is just a, a stepping stone into the future you. And if you know what your future yeah. you is, not necessarily, you don't really need to focus on on that stepping path, but it is that stepping path to get you there.
0: And, and I think once you define the future you, I, w- I think one of the traps I fell into is saying, oh, if I get a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, then I'll be stress-free, then I'll be happy, whatever. But it's, it's defining that future you but then it's it's immediately coming back and just starting to act that way today. It's yeah, it's yeah. actually so many people are they're they're thinking if I get here then I can have a vacation with my family. If I get here then I can have less stress. But the key is actually to reverse engineer it and just be less stressed. Go on the vacation now. Start living the life of the person that you want to be in the future. And it's, it's basic manifestation, which is you got to be the person now and do the things that person would do. And then you'll have all the stuff that that
1: person would have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mike, we're just running out of time. Is there anything that you'd like to speak about that I haven't mentioned?
0: I would just say, man, it's, I think if you're running a business and you're finding yourself stressed out, I would just say it does come down to clarity, clarity of yourself clarity of who your ideal client is, Yep. clarity of how you solve problems in the marketplace with your solutions and how those work, clarity on how human beings work in general and why we buy anything. And then I would say it's never too late to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Just get really clear on what you're going after and find somebody that's already done it and then surround yourself in mentorship and coaching, buy their products and services and, and model their habits and behaviors Cause they've already done what you're trying to do and they've got the answers that you seek.
1: Fantastic. Thanks for that tip in terms of clarity. One last question. What would you say would be your most defining moment in your career or in life or your proudest moments so far?
0: That is a great question. There's so many, there's so many moments that define the whole, but you know, getting married to the right woman helped. Uh, yep, having yep. two two great kids was awesome.
1: Um, <laughs> Is she know, staying there they, behind you? Or? <laughs> they they actually are, yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> no, but um, but those moments, those foundational moments helped. If I look back, I'd say there's at least half a dozen to a dozen pivotal moments where I thought about quitting, where I thought about giving up, where I thought I wasn't good enough or smart enough or talented enough. Hmm. And, and those are the moments that shaped me. And so if you can get through those moments and realize it's just a moment in time, it's just a page of your story or a chapter of your story, there is hope and there's breakthroughs just on the other side of those moments.
1: Yep. And I, you know, we always talk about those moments where we were just about to give up and sometimes the success is just around the corner and we just don't see it. And for us to not give that one extra opportunity we may not actually see the success ever again. So I do agree in that step. It's just kind of believing in yourself internally, having the clarity and just ensuring that you're getting in the right direction.
0: Yeah. And I think it comes down to like having a very clear, like, why am I doing all this in the first place? Those are the moments that get you through the tough times. You know, for me it had a lot to do with my kids and what I was showing them by going after my dreams. Mm -hmm. And on the client side, I knew that there were people out there today that still feel like I felt so many years ago, which is they feel stuck. They feel depressed. They feel isolated. They don't know what to do. And sometimes it's a couple of little pieces of, of advice Sometimes it's little tweaks in what they're doing and all of a sudden it starts working. And when you experience that for the first time and you see it working, it's just it's like a, a weight lifted off your back or you just feel such relief. Like, oh, I was actually way closer than I thought.
1: Yep, yep. Mike, thank you again for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your story of overcoming the stresses in the GFC and your transformation to where you are now. I, I do wish you massive success in the future.
0: Tommy, it's my pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. We'll uh, do it again if you want to.
1: There you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning into the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast with me, your host, Tommy Bowie. If you like what you've heard today, please make sure you subscribe to our show and share this podcast with your friends. Leave us a review so that we can take on your comments, grow with you as a channel, and keep providing you quality, stress-free content. If you have a story to tell or just want to say hi, drop me an email on Hello at the stressless I'll catch you all on the next episode.